Welcome to a special bonus episode of The Best Money I Ever Spent presented by Rally. This one's a little bit different. We're launching a brand new category on Rally this week, vintage concert posters. Starting with one of the most valuable and most important posters in that category, the Grateful Dead Skeleton and Roses poster, which is really sort of one of the, the benchmarks of psychedelic art of the poster category. We wanted to bring some experts from our network in to be a part of a live broadcast. We invited a small audience of investors and rally users to join us virtually, and we hosted an Ask the Experts panel to dig into the category of vintage concert posters a bit deeper. You'll hear from two pioneers in the space, Glenn Trosh, who's the president of Psychedelic Art Exchange, one of the most important names in the category, and Jeff Meyer, founder and CEO of GoCollect, which is the preeminent resource for data and education, and he's a huge collector in his own right. So with that, enjoy this Ask the Experts panel bonus episode with Glenn and Jeff on the best money I ever spent. A quick housekeeping before we jump right in, uh, because this is an investment platform, so there's always a disclaimer for your protection as a potential investor, which I'll read quickly. The Grateful Dead Skeleton and Roses concert poster that will be discussed during this broadcast is the underlying asset for a series of interests that is being offered by RSE Collections LLC as an affiliate of Rally Road. However, no interests are being offered for sale through this broadcast. The only manner in which an investor may invest in one of our offerings is by going to the Rally Road website or the app. Prior to acquiring any interest, potential investors should read the company's offering circular, which is available via the Rally platform in the legal tab of each individual offering. It's also available on the SEC's Edgar website on sec.gov. Neither Rally Road nor any of its affiliates provide any investment advice or is making an investment recommendation for any persons and no communication on this broadcast or through any other medium should be construed as such. And then one last note, one of the speakers tonight is Glenn Trosh, who's the owner of the Grateful Dead poster and who's consigning it to RSE Collection in connection with the completion of the offering of interests. Mr. Trosh is receiving interest in that offering as part of the purchase price for the asset, but he is not receiving any compensation for speaking about the asset on this broadcast or otherwise. So with that, it looks like the audience is coming together. Um, I'm going to get started. So today, real quick, um, quick update who you see on the screen right now. First is Glenn Trosh. He's the president of Psychedelic Art Exchange, which is a seller and an auction platform for, I'll say, all things concert posters. And really, he's one of the leading resources in the space. Glenn's got an extensive history as a collector. I would say he's a music historian. I don't know if he would argue with me on that. Um, he's been around it for a long time, but all around good dude. The other side, you see Jeff Meyer, who's the founder uh, and CEO of Go Collect, which is really the resource for data in so many different facets of collecting um, with an emphasis on comics and printed material. Jeff is also, I can tell you from experience, a, uh, I would call him a collector of all things, but someone who has a real understanding and appreciation of the concert poster space in particular. So thank you both for being here. I want to jump right in um, and we'll do this with the intros a little bit sort of uh, as we go into it so you could jump in, Jeff, quick. I'm going to start with you, Jeff. We jumped on Zoom last year at one point um, for a general catch-up. And in the background of that Zoom, you had a crazy original hand-drawn concert poster. I won't give too, way, I won't give too much detail away about what it was because it's something I want to buy at some point in the future. And I'm hoping that you have it available for me. But what came out in that one-hour conversation that we had as you kind of toured me around the office, showed me a bunch of concert posters, was your excitement and kind of the depth of knowledge and the enthusiasm that you had about the space. And it turned into a conversation where you showed me this whole ridiculous collection. For you, I want to know a little bit about your background, but what was the moment that you decided that this was a collectible class that really needed your attention? And in your eyes, what makes a concert poster of any, t any kind a true collectible? So, well, thanks for having me, Rob. I appreciate it. This is uh, this is great to to 
hear and be a part of uh, people talking about people that aren't in the know necessarily talking about the understanding of this hobby. It's uh, fantastic and, and amazing. Um, yeah, you kind of teed me up pretty good there. So I collect a lot, a lot of different things. Um, and I like history, but I like pop culture. Uh, and I like very specifically iconic pop culture. Um, and then the investor side kicks in for me. So I really like high grade iconic pop culture or rare or deep history, uh, things I can't get my hands on. Um, I was investigating concert posters as an outlet of additional markets of information for GoCollect. Um, and uh, the it, it, hands down, I'm an addict. Okay. I'll admit that <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's part of what we do. Um, but if I got to be addicted to something, this is what I choose. Uh, sure. so, uh, you know, in that investigation, uh, quite honestly, I've kept a distance from concert posters myself, knowing only a little bit about them. Um, but, you know, not knowing enough and figuring they were going to be more expensive and, and too much to learn. Um, and in that research phase, just with what was great, getting graded out of CGC, it sparked a deep interest. And within a very small amount of time, I realized how deep this was, how much of a massive affinity to the human audience, um, and how it checked the boxes of what makes something collectible versus not. And for me, I always look for a consumable product at a moment in time um, that has mass market appeal for many decades to come and, and influential on pop culture. And if there's an art component, I love it. If there's a good history component, I love it. Um, and here we have music where you have so many people that have a strong affinity to it. And we all want to relive our childhood or relive earlier, funner days. And there's something about a concert poster that can spark memories that a sports card or a comic book can. It transports you back. Like, I wasn't at this show, um, but this is Run DMC, like 1983. These guys were just getting started. You do a little research on this and you go, wow, this is amazing. This happens to be a uh, uh, like in the promoter's mock-up, which has printer's notes on the back that tells us this was made at a quantity of 50 and eight and a half by 11 and 25 and 11 by 17. Those were all used to promote this show. I can't find that damn poster anyhow. This is all I have is like the art for it. That makes this wickedly fascinating to me. Um, I don't know if I answered your questions, but it does. Yeah, I, I, think, I think you hit on something quick that I want to talk through too. And, uh, and Glenn, I want to get your take on this after this as well. But do you think, do you look at moments as sort of uh, the way that we think about, I guess, trading cards would be a better example. We have the rookie card, you have last season, but then you have individual moments throughout the career of any sort of legend in any space, whether it's a band or an artist or an athlete. Do you think moments are starting to sort of, sort of take hold of the concert poster space? Or do you think there's still like the idea that the rookie version, the first or the last, is going to lead the charge upward? I mean, those moments are everything in rock and roll. It's it's where the history is illustrated. I mean, the difference between a Dylan 65 Newport and a Dylan in the 90s is, you know, it's another universe. So, yeah, it's it's all about the story. We're in history. And that's why the FD26 is important, because it's at the the genesis of this San Francisco scene. It's It's, you know, the thing matured after that. But this is you know, a point in time that is focused in this poster.
Yeah, it makes sense. And you, you just referenced the, the Grateful Dead poster, so I want to talk about that a little bit. I think similar to Jeff, um, you have comic book roots, started with the family business in the 80s and 90s, and, and extensive expertise, and I would say all things cultural collectibles. So that's toys and comic books, basically all areas of music and memorabilia, particularly when it comes to vintage, which is really where I see Psychedelic Art Exchange shining, and it's become this huge source of not just product, but information and kind of trend spotting. For, for novice collectors like myself, too, to use that as the example, the Grateful Dead Skeleton and Roses poster, which we source from you. It's part of your collection. What makes this era, the 60s and 70s, psychedelic, that aesthetic in particular, what makes that important compared to other eras that came before and after and other moments that came before and after it? Oh, I mean, that's all right. Because the 1960s was. That's this. a lot to unpack. I just I asked no, a question. No, no, no. I mean, you, I mean, you know, so I apologize. You, you, but, yeah. The answer's all in there. What something. It was one of these cultural um, crossing crossroads where everything seemed to change. I mean, 1965, where these posters were born, if you look through American history and, and entertainment, popular culture, there something happened. There was a shift. It was, it was in the culture, and it changed everything from that point forward. It was... It was like somebody turned on the color switch. It was it, it and it and it and it lines up not only in rock music, but that was the most defining point. It really, but in you know literature, every other art, it, everything was on the table. Taboo subjects were being exposed. It was you know it was it was a tumultuous time in American history, but it was also the culture that came from youth at that time. This was the first time that youth really was starting to have an impact as a, as a group. Before that, people of that age were working the farms and factories. This was, you know, the affluence. This was, this was the affluence promised from the post-war era. And this is where it flourished. And this was sort of its, its, its you know, its high point with Kennedy and all that. It was, it was, it, it's hard to even imagine from where we are now because now everything's so much and so out there and so turned up but this was a point where really you know i have more to say about it but this you know it was a pivotal time 1965 the beatles went from being a pop band to a rock band huh. that's the way to put it that's a good way to put it i'll get i'll say this too for me when i think about the grateful dead it, it transcends and i'm not just talking about you know the new iteration of the grateful dead it kind of transcends time and space and it's got an aesthetic and a feel that I think every, is very representative of a time that even I, who wasn't there for it, can understand through a lot of the aesthetic. And I think, to throw this over to you, Jeff, when I think about this as an asset class, which is impossible for us at Rally to not think about things as an asset class at times, you yeah. have two, three, maybe two, I think, at this point, over the last year alone, of this particular Skeleton and Roses poster that have eclipsed that $100,000 mark. And I think that's like the, the mark that at this point, without the million dollar poster, I think is looked at as a benchmark for a lot of people when they think about it as a collectible and the value of that collectible. Mm -hmm. What are some of the catalysts that you've seen that have driven this market and attracted this influx of new buyers? Do you think it's people who are of a certain age and now have some money and they're looking at it as, as chasing that youth or chasing that moment? Or do you think there's a new generation of collector who's paying more attention to it now that's driving those prices and driving that interest in a poster like this? I think it's a good combo. Um, they're, they're, in terms of what's going on right now, this fun, you know, everyone I'm sure that's in this platform is aware of the COVID effect on collectibles. Um, and, but what isn't 
overly clear through all that is really that only hit on a few of the major asset classes. Um, it also pulled out a lot of art, a lot of unique pieces. Um, a lot of things saw value increases. Uh, with us, with comics, video games, and concert posters, we were close to the video games along the early lines. And something happened there, and it all kind of happened in tandem, where something new that we're all very familiar with all of a sudden came on the scene and got ridiculously expensive, like mm. overnight, so expensive. Um, there was a lot of affinity from comic collectors and sports card collectors and, you know, collectors of all sorts. What we saw through COVID is almost a bit of a buying fatigue. I mean, just I should preface this by the numbers we see, um, you know, and, and, and by watching and seeing traffic and who's looking around more and things. And you, you have access to the data, too, which is part of why I asked the question, too, for sure. Right. Um, so, you know, without being able to be super specific, um, let, let's say what we're hypothesizing on based what we're seeing is essentially buying fatigue from a lot of the existing collectors that tended to get priced out for themselves. And a lot of folks that were collectors started to look at other markets uh, where they had an interest. And a lot of investors after the video game thing got FOMO and they said, what can I dive into? Now, there were a handful of people that dove into this a couple of years ago, but just a handful that really wanted to like make a splash and get a bunch uh, of things, you know, kind of, you know, find the collectible and make their mark. Um, but, it, you know, as they as people, they all kind of did it behind the scenes. And as that has gone on, all of a sudden there's this dry up uh, combined with this new um, interest combined with uh, we have a, you know, almost this new demand for grading and not enough bandwidth to get it done. So it's a it's a great supply and demand. All of a sudden you have new collectors and new investors that are looking at it and going, wait a minute, this is a no brainer. And as the information gets out, they want more, but there just isn't enough to go around, especially in the graded stuff. Um, and so it's created a typical economic boost. I think the thing that's difficult for new collectors to see in the moment is that there aren't enough big focused auctions on just concert posters. There's a lot of reading between the lines and research that you have to do um, to kind of see that, holy crap, this is trending upward. Um, yeah, so there's uh, there, there's a number of factors that uh, are, are driving a lot of interest at, at the moment. Um, Makes sense. And well, let me ask you on that point, too. When you talk about where the new interest is coming from, the lack of sort of data, the the PSAs and the CGCs and the people who have graded all the cards and comic books and everything over the course of the last, you know, call it 10 years, let's say, even the WADAs of the world who were relatively new, but they became the standard in the, in the game grading space really quickly. You have so many different posters and so many different pieces that pass through uh, the Psychedelic Art Exchange. What do you look at and say, like, this is one that I want to frame, I want to hold on to versus... I want to grade this versus sort of the condition. Do you think about it the same way as comics? Should people be thinking about it the same way as comics? Or is there sort of uh, a standard that says these are the type of posters that are potentially assets and they should get graded? They should be sort of treated a certain way and tucked away? Or is it more a personal preference thing for you? It's an interesting question. I mean, the, the whole grading and certification thing changed my whole perspective. I, I was not familiar with this world. Um, and when 
we entered into certification and grading, it became apparent that this was a difficult place for them to enter for a couple of reasons. Um, you know, the, the historical data is, is difficult. It's a niche product that's been protected by its collectors for many years. But more importantly, is, is, this, is this a collectible that has enough, um, you know, enough of a population to justify certification and grading? Uh, you know, there's, there's a point where it doesn't even matter. If we're talking about a poster that 10 known copies exist, just owning it exists. The ordinary rules of like restoration that would kill, you know, something with big populations is still acceptable if it's one of three. In fact, the world of posters, it blessed restoration before this. This is the only category that sort of has made that distinction. And I think it's because of these series that happened in San Francisco in 66, the Bill Graham and the Family Dog, there was enough copies printed that it gave a spread in quality so that there's something to talk about between copies. Not that certification and grading is the answer to all the ills of this collectible, but at least it can make a distinction between, you know, 10 different copies. And if there's a hundred out there, these 10 are what really matters. I mean, does that answer the question? Yeah, I mean, it's, it was actually, it was a setup. I was going to ask you the follow-up question, which is on that note, when I think about uh, Family Dog series and I think about this particular poster with the Grateful Dead skeleton and roses, I, and I, I think regular sort of novices, people that come to any new space, they follow the money at first a little bit, where there's auction results, which for something like cards or comics, you see regularly now where it's, oh, this went for a million dollars, this went for 500000 and somebody bought it for $10 30 years ago. That's kind of what drives a lot of the headlines. But when I think about the, the three or four most expensive concert, vintage concert posters, graded or ungraded, that have sold recently at auction, I'm thinking about, you know, Beatles, Shea Stadium, the last concert that nobody knew was the last, the, the last tour, I should say, that no one knew was the last tour. Hank Williams' New Year's Day, which, you know, he passed away in the car on the way to the venue. It's the concert that never happened. They, those are the one of so few that when they pop up, all of a sudden there's a lot of attention on them. Then I think about this particular poster in the Skeleton of Roses, which does have a little bit more of a trajectory where you see two or three that have traded hands. You see sort of a, a chart starting to form. You see graded copies, 9.6s and 9.8s, and they're starting to separate themselves from the rest. Do you think the future is going to be the one-offs and the, the find in the barn somewhere? that are not graded, that somebody held on to for 20 years, or do you think that the economy around this starts to form around the graded pieces over the course of the next five to 10 years? You know, I think they're uh, two sides of the same coin. I think that, again, this graded material can illustrate the power because there's an, enough of a population where people can trade it and, and, and it and it makes a difference. These legacy pieces are held very tight and they don't go anywhere and the people that have them aren't interested in selling until it gets to their imagined level of value but they can't get to this level of value without some sort of uh, track record so what i'm hoping is is that the graded material will pave the way for that and then yeah the super esoteric one-of-a-kind cardboard stuff that almost everything dissolved those will be the those will be the jewels and the gems the, you know jeff's always equated it 
uh, he's talked about the cardboard market, which we're not even, you know, the, the boxing style is the golden age of these posters, and that the psychedelic stuff is the silver age, as he equated it to comics. And I think that's a good analogy. Um, so, yeah, it's just, it's so deep, and there, it's so much, well, it's, it's, it's hard may, to wrap your head around. Okay. Yeah, in that, too, what you've got going, uh, you know, full disclaimer, I don't even have one of these posters because it was off my radar at first, um, and I felt like I could get it uh, in high grade, and then all of a sudden I couldn't, and I didn't want to spend uh, the money. I wanted to, hmm. to, to broaden. So I have a handbill, which I love, um, but I hadn't wanted to part with six figures for one of these posters yet. So I just wanted to throw that out there. But this piece in particular, when we equate to comics, there are few people that have music affinity. Well, few people that don't, I guess, but few that do uh, that don't look at that image and go, that's the Grateful Dead, even though, you know, it's an image from many hundreds of years before. Um, uh, but that is the that's the Grateful Dead. Why is that important? This um, it, it, it's about imagery. This I was lucky enough to score in one of Glenn's auctions. Technically, the first like skeleton image associated with the dead in advertising, I oh, believe. Yeah. Keep me honest there. Yeah, no, no, FD. Um, and this yeah, is that, the print first time play. Great poster. If Glenn, yes. if Glenn says it to be true, that's that's basically that's uh, yeah, law. I mean, that's, if it came from Glenn, if he said that's the first I mean, one, it was, you know, I it agree. was it was sixty six. Um, the yeah, it was yes. But yet, but yet, we don't look at this and go Grateful Dead. It's the first. It's the rookie card for the skeleton. But what happened is from this, that image was created, and none of us can get it out of our head. That's the iconic stuff that collectors chase. And so even though when we look at concert posters and a handful might, you know, there's only three of those, and there's only five of those, and, you know, maybe one will come out of a barn one day, but probably not. It's disintegrated. Yeah. Fortunately, just like if we equate Golden Age comics to Silver Age, the Silver Age comic census has multiples of as much as a thousand to one copies. But yet they can be just as valuable because they're so iconic and there's such a strong affinity. And so in concert posters, the numbers are always dramatically lower. But we can look at the census and go, you know, relatively speaking, there's a... Uh, <laughs> And it's far less than 100, I believe, but uh, I might be wrong there. Um, but, you know, this is one of the more graded concert posters. And, uh, you know, looking that at, on that at the surface, it may feel like, oh, but this is the this is a piece that people have gone, oh, I need to protect this. I need to make sure, wait a minute, there's a big difference between 9.2 and 9.4. Um, and so yeah, those the community forms and those trophies. And those trophy pieces start to form out of that. And that was kind of, we have, we have a bunch of, uh, of audience questions that, that we'll put together that we'll jump into in a second. But to sort of follow on right before we get there on that last point for you, Jeff, do you see it now that we're talking Silver Age and Bronze Age, we're, talking, we're using terms that have been talked about in comic books forever, and we're talking about comic book art and these Genesis moments. Do you think this is, do you feel, I should say, that this, this has that same feel of kind of, you know, comic books, I would say... When we started Rally five, six years ago, it was a conversation as it was starting to get commoditized, I would say, where people were starting to think about it more as currency than I'd ever seen before that. Do you feel like, does this feel like comic books, I would say, before it became that asset class, before the million dollar sales became ubiquitous as they are now? Or do you think it has a chance to break away from comics? Do you think all these dynamics of the artwork, of the era, of the moment are all kind of synonymous enough that it sticks together? Or do you think there's going to be very different collector bases at some point? 
No, I do. Uh, um, I think it very much sticks together. However, the the analogy back to comics in the classes, I feel like is a little, or, or the, the eras in terms of Bronze Age, the only thing that's a little misguiding there is as a, as a collector investor, I think about the silver, the golden age, and I go population this big, silver age, population this big, bronze, it just goes like this. And in concert posters, it's very different. You go yeah. golden age, nothing, silver age, like it's such a popular era. I mean, so many people dropped acid for the first time. Like we change the way we think about things and look at things like just as a mass, uh, I could go on. Um, but then, you know, and then the 70s hit, we had like these arena stadiums, posters weren't all that important. And when they did, they got printed in mass. But then this kind of stuff started coming around and true counterculture once again started hitting and these things were not printed in numbers. So we're where this cycle of a 20 to 25 year affinity back to childhood, um, the things that we want, our own counterculture for the time, when everything else was getting printed in mass, these things weren't. And so that's even though the eras hang, the actual um, the actual quantities don't line up, and that's what keeps it fascinating over and over. But it's a it it very much is a very similar uh, a hobby in a lot of ways. Makes sense. I pulled I pulled Todd up quick. He had a question that I think I was that slipped off of our question list. But Todd, I want you to ask it quick if you can for um, for Glenn. I, occasionally, um, mostly on, on screen print posters because they didn't have the inks um, to pull it off. This was offset lithography. The, the, the headshot blacklight poster market's a completely different thing. It was commercially produced in thousands. There's not a lot of good records. Um, this was quickly made advertising and they didn't have a huge budget either so fluorescent inks would have been you know more than uh bill or chat wanted to to spend i imagine um i think that you know the 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 same aesthetic though comes through you know with or without the fluorescence i mean but fluorescent was again used in cardboard posters um boxing style posters because it made him jump from 100 feet away but uh, there, there's, some, there's, some, there's some crossover, but not a lot, you know, in that area. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, no, the festival, I mean, the Monterey Pops, I, one of the greatest concert posters ever, and it comes in two sizes. It was sold as merchandise. There's a smaller one that was sold inside, um, but then there's this this giant one that's one of the greatest beauties it was a foil poster it's it's one of the most important posters of all time it was Jimi hendrix it was janice joplin the who otis redding you know it was it was the kickoff i mean hendrix wasn't known that was that was you know yeah jimmy that's why everything else happened <laughs> Ah, thank you, dude. You got you got him going, man. This is Glenn's gonna yeah, be going now for the next it. like half Monterey, hour. I mean, thank you, dude. I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, I could go on about all of this. Thank you. <laughs> um, on that note, so I really appreciate you both coming on. I want to get into some of these questions that we have pre-submitted from the audience. We got hundreds of questions over the last forty-eight hours. It was crazy. Some we hit on already, but there are a few good ones. I'm gonna throw it over to Will to uh, catch up with you guys on these last three or four questions 
that uh, came from the audience. We'll go for it, man. Yeah, thanks, Rob. And guys, this is super fun and entertaining. I'm sure everyone listening got a masterclass from both of you. So uh, yeah, taking from all these amazing questions, um, let's start with you, Jeff. Here's one. Comic book prices have been making headlines over the last year. Do you see crossover beginning to happen between comic book collectors and the vintage poster collectors? Oh, it's happening big time. Um, I won't drop names, but there are some very prominent uh, comic book collectors that have that are loving uh, going through and trying to find high grade stuff because it's it's going through the the period of like. I'm coming in very interested, but also in as an investor that knows I want iconic high grade and as much as they can pull, they certainly are. Um, the heritage auction of the Binweed collection expressed that the prices there. I tend to feel like I know a lot when it comes to prices and uh, they were two to four X multiples of what I was expecting to see. Um, so yeah, there is, uh, and, and I only know from one-off conversations with other collectors that have asked me from the comic sphere and, you know, for info and all that good stuff. And, you know, obviously I like to pass, uh, any, anyone seeking info over to Glenn because he's been my like spiritual concert poster guide, man. Like I wouldn't, one thing I didn't mention is when I first got into posters, Glenn literally showed up on my doorstep like a week later from Baltimore to North Carolina and was like, what's up? What do you want to know? Like, let's talk. This is fun. Um, so, uh, yeah, I tangent it. Did I answer the question? Hopefully. Yeah, that was great. For That's sure. Awesome. For sure. And I, I haven't gotten Glenn on my doorstep yet. I feel like I'm missing something on that. Uh, you know, when, when somebody, well, Jeff showed up and I've been trying to, holler this message from the, you know, the mountaintops and he heard, you know, and he's helping get above the fray because there's a lot out there and it's too good to pass up. Uh, it hits on so many levels that, you know, that's, that's why Jeff was interested as a collector and as a fan. Makes sense. Yeah, Makes I mean, sense. if you don't mind me saying, um, when I see something that is either a niche and an existing collectible or a new collectible market, I go hard and I just buy all that I can get my hands on to learn. I don't mind overpaying and I find that it teases out good inventory. Um, so I showed up big in a handful of auctions. It's like, let's play. And Glenn was like, let's play. Yeah, so yeah. I'm like, I'm like who is this? I, I got, I, yeah, I had to find out. So the, yeah, the best I mean, and the worst, yeah, the best and the worst thing that could happen is somebody to support your habit. But again, like you said, there are worse addictions to have. So let me ask you this quick. So this came from, oh, yeah, uh, from yeah. yeah, we came from, this came from one of our rally users, actually. Um, this, because you do direct sales and auctions, what trends, if any, are you seeing right now in terms of the most liquid or the most popular items? Is it either by band? Is it by error? Is there anything that's popping to the surface right now that you're paying attention to? On several fronts. I mean, it's always driven by band. This is driven by personal taste and personal music taste. And people are very opinionated and strong about music they'll go to the mat about it so it always gravitates to the artist so if you're a zeppelin fan you're gonna fight hard for every top zeppelin poster you can it's definitely mm -hmm. driven by 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 interest in the band um 
But what's come out recently is, you know, I'm, I'm starting to throw more out there. Um, and just, you know, stuff from the 80s is now starting to to float upwards. Blondie, ACDC. Um, you know, this was the music that I grew up with. Talking Heads posters are starting to really crush. This is, you know, The Clash, uh, punk, new wave. Uh, it's, it's, it's definitely moving upward to you know to, to to where that's acceptable when i started collecting these posters it was you know 83 the 60s were not that far in the rearview mirror it didn't seem like that big of a deal i was driven to it just for all of the you know just because it turned me on i wasn't looking at it as a collector i got my first posters dry mounted i wasn't looking at hmm. it from this me perspective. too me too um and and still it's that insatiable sort of well, you know, you're collectors, but um, uh, the thing is, uh, yes, it's getting closer. And Jeff started exposing that with the Pacific Northwest posters from from the 90s and later in the, the in the past century. And it's there's plenty of room for everyone to play here. But this poster is, you know, in a league of its own. Fair point. Well, what do we got? next? Awesome. Yeah. So this one comes in from Mark. We'll go to you for this one, Jeff. Uh, I'm somewhat surprised to see these posters getting graded. When did that become a thing? And how do I determine if it's worth having my posters graded? So the biggest thing right now in the current market is can my poster be graded? Um, there is such a tight window of what can be graded in the market uh, for information. And so I would say this, if you if your poster can be graded um, and you can look online and you cannot find sales of this poster so chances are it would probably be like an art of rock or a grandy ballroom um, something that just doesn't get much sales and you have one and you can't find it for sale but it's gradable i'd grade that sucker um, they need that information uh, we need i say they they the collecting community they being cgc they being go collect like everybody needs that information go ahead and grade it it's not that expensive now i will also admit that aesthetically once they're in these holders they're not so fun to necessarily like hang on the wall as is however i've seen a lot of very nice hanging solutions come out of art shop so i wouldn't let it detract you um it really depends on what you're buying for. If you're buying it to hang it on your wall, um, and you know, quite frankly, it's pretty fun sometimes to see some of these old rare posters just beat to crap because it, you know, it transports you back. I'd say, you know what? If that's why you got the poster, don't grade it. If it's gradable, it's got, you know, if you're thinking about grading and you're looking at things like corners and you're like, this looks minty, yeah, grade that sucker. Like there, it's a, it's a no brainer not to chances are for what you picked it up for, for what's it technically worth after it's got that, uh, that holder around it. It's an investment. Why wouldn't you assuming at some point you will sell it down the road. Um, but yeah, there, there, if you believe that this market is going where I believe, and I'm drunk on the Kool-Aid, like I love this stuff. It's amazing like to, to dive into, um, you'll start to notice, holy cow, like this stuff, it sells here and there, but not enough. And you'll start to go, I can buy this ungraded. Like I'm, I'm golden age comics. That's like my number one. 
and I can't buy the stuff I want in Golden Age comics ungraded because it's all been graded. It's all on the census. Yeah. And you're in yeah. this like moment where, you know, if I'm questioning whether or not this concert poster that I know is it's got history on it, it's good condition, it's currently gradable, like that's the tip of the top. It's a no brainer right now. So let me ask it, you this because it, it just came in on that on that point from John Shuck just asked this earlier too. How long is there a set in stone? Got it. Kind so of the way you talk about Golden Age. I think and those pieces. This one could be our our last one. It's pretty good, perfect for both of you. Um, yeah, for both of you. Is, so yeah, the question yeah, yeah. is, in your opinion, what is the most important poster of all time? Uh, Glenn, I'll shoot it over to you first. I mean, the, the, you know, that's a it's a personality test. I give me one minute for this one. Uh, <laughs> wow, the most important. So, uh, most important concert poster of all time <sighs> maybe and the, you know my answer will change but right now i'm thinking you know it's it's the 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 elvis tonsil shot it's a, like two cop it's the elvis hatch poster that you know it's been reproduced ad nauseum i mean it, it's it's you know it's bootlegged all over the place i only know of like maybe two three exist and it's elvis you know which is not the beginning of rock and roll but it's a certain point where it became acceptable for white people <laughs> it's and because you know this is black music that got you know commercialized by white audiences that wanted that groove elvis is i mean in that point it's elvis i mean i would also say the acid test poster is probably you know the best psychedelic poster you know because it brings together that entire story of keezy and the dead and everything that's i mean that's but of all time yeah i got it you know the yeah the elvis tonsil shot yeah yeah jeff how about you so what's well i'll start by saying this what's brilliant about this hobby is it's so subjective what you were into as a kid is or younger or yesterday is far more important than anything else and music is so deep and so what is like my favorite or top poster is probably so much different from what the next person says and so i would address that question just because of my background from the market aspect um and i would say what is kind of like the that most desirable the most history and even there Getting it down to 10 would be a challenge. Um, you know, you got the seed poster from um, uh, psychedelic era that has an amazing uh, history around it. But even all the way up into the modern era, like the first Nirvana show, can you, you know, after they changed their name from like Pen Cap Chew and like, all these other weird things, then all of a sudden they're Nirvana. Um, you know, it's arguable that that's the most important poster. I think time changes and reveals all things, but as it sits currently, you know, comics, you've got action one, detective 27, AF 15, like how can you whittle those down? And I think what you guys are sitting on in terms of the psychedelic era, you have the top dog. There's another big dog with the BG 105, the flying eyeball, you know, there's, you know, so there's a handful that are right there. Um, but I think as it sits, you know, for, for, for the audience that isn't too new, 
this is, you know, the 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 FD twenty six is definitely up there in importance. I mean, it just marks an era with an image and a great freaking story. So, <laughs> you know, it's it, it 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 is the gateway drug because it's it's easily identifiable. It speaks to the culture, the time, the music has transcended the you know always was never popular music the 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 whole dead story we can do another hour just on that and how that's important to you know american history that culture in itself that it still remains speaks to this poster okay it just it's 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 a complete story that's Um, that on on that note too i think we might have to do another follow-up uh at when the last tour at the end of the last tour at some point in the next year or so we'll have the real we'll have another sit down and do just a dead session i think i really first of all i really appreciate everyone for joining the last question it was a rally question so i'll take it quickly and it lends itself to what you just said as a gateway drug are you going to do more concert posters on rally in the future i think it's a space that has our entire company really excited everybody here is talking about it for the last two or three weeks going a little bit deep on doing the research showing up on go collect and psychedelic art exchange i think music is one of those really it's a liquid conversation always. It's conversation worthy and it's a commodity in a lot of different ways, but not in a way that's looked at like stock a lot of the times. I think that the way we look at it is emotion first. There's more emotion in music than anything else. It's new. It evokes serious emotion from everybody who's seen this poster that sits behind me right now. I can't see any reason that we wouldn't be doing more of these posters in the future. We're actually sourcing more uh, deals right now as I speak. So. Thank you everyone for joining tonight. Um, at the start of this call, we randomized all the email addresses associated with the audience to pull one email to take home a um, an original Woodstock poster, which I know is a, a little bit different than what you guys deal with, but it's one of those really iconic images, super recognizable. It's a very specific moment in history. It's it's one of the top posters of all time. Uh, talk about recognize. It, it's the you know it was the high water mark of that decade. Yeah. It's and it's, it's everybody. We want to give something away that would make people excited. So I'm gonna do. Oh, no, it's 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 you're giving away a gem that's you know. The, uh, on that yeah. note, Glenn set it up nice. Let me see the drum roll works. I think it it's, does. It's, I'm very excited. I'm grateful for you all taking this on. It, it means a lot. This is this is our winner. We're gonna send an email after the call to the winner, but you're gonna get a a really nice poster that Glenn gave the cosign for, so you know it's real. Um. Anyway, that said. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Glenn, Jeff, Will, uh, Joe, who just, just did that drum roll and handed me the, uh, the winner. Thank you. For everyone else from Rally and everyone around the world who's on this call tonight, I really appreciate it. You can find Jeff at uh, gocollect.com. They're doing some incredible things with data over there, and everything there is really sort of worth digging into. And you can find Glenn uh, probably all over the country, showing up at people's doors, it sounds like, one way or another, but in particular at concertpostergallery.com, where they're running some crazy auctions and uh, they have concert posters for every budget too. So a lot of what people were asking, what we touched on, you can get something great for $100 or for $10,000. Anywhere you want to get started collecting and investing, Glenn's the right guy for it. Yeah. And, Our uh, auctions, $1 start, man. It's always worth looking. It's a win-win. There's always stuff there that just from an aesthetic standpoint too, you can find something from every era. And I think Jeff touched on it too. The idea that there's 90s stuff that people really care about that looks and feels awesome. It's all going to be there. I um, think that's what you're talking about. Yeah, that's. I mean, we gotta have a. I want to have a separate conversation about that. I was hoping nobody would see it, so that I still have a chance. <laughs> I knew I did. I could not <laughs> let that slip in. That said, the Grateful Dead skeleton and roses poster opens on Rally as an investment, 10 a.m. on Friday. Hope to see you all there, and thank you everybody for joining us. We're gonna do more of these in the future soon. So thank you so much, Glenn, Jeff, Will, everybody who joined us. Talk soon. Thank you. Take care. Thanks. Thank you.